You're not evil Knievel, you know, so buckle up. Hey, why aren't you letting that ambulance by? Pull over. Yeah, that's right. Big red sign, eight sides, four large letters in white, S-T-O-P. How about doing what you told for a change? And turn that music down. No need for it that loud. You better use that answer if you're gonna talk. Otherwise, pull over. Now why in the world aren't you using your signal? If you're turning, show it. Uh-oh, bad weather ahead. Those lights better be coming on soon. Not only is this smart, is the law. Now there's nothing more stupid and embarrassing than being pulled over for something stupid. See, those who say listen to your car really know what they're talking about. Brought to you by WMUL. Stay tuned for another sports presentation on the worldwide leader of Marshall University Athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. It's time for Sports Buzz, WMUL's weekly sports talk show with a competitive twist. Four enter, but only one will leave as this week's champion of current sports topics. And now, here's this week's moderator. And welcome one and all to Sports Buzz. we got a different host this week. New host, I'm Ben Cower. It's been a while since I've hosted Sports Buzz, but I'm excited to be back. And we got some new faces, new places, and uh, old, fa- or I guess old faces and new faces on tonight's episode. These, I'll let them introduce themselves because one of them already has an issue with the old faces comment. But uh, Justin, we'll start with you. Justin Zimmer, uh, glad to not be behind the glass. Ben, missing behind there. Mm-hmm. You have no, you, you have any gimmicks planned tonight, like you did for? No, 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 no gimmicks. gimmicks, no gimmicks. Well, I, I, I missed it. I, I missed. Or them. maybe I do. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Wild Wild West that one night on Inside <laughs> USA. But uh, yeah, it's nice to be on. Nice to be in the uh, Andrew Rogers Verzellini chair. Uh, Thrilled to be here. Sean Kelly, another old face. I was off last week, but it's uh, always great to be on. Ben Anderson, it's great to be back on once again. Nate Courtney, I'm a new face. Glad to be here. I'm excited. Let's get it going. All right. All right. All right. That's what I like to hear. We got a lot on the slate tonight. A lot of football talk, and we'll maybe a surprise baseball question in there, too. But let's start out talking some NFL football, shall we? Uh, let's start out with the Steelers. The Steelers, uh, albeit they are 1-1. One and one. Steelers' offense for about two weeks has uh, it's been pretty pretty anemic. So tell me, what happens first and why? Does Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator of the Steelers, get fired, or does Mitch Trubisky get benched? Justin Zimmer, we're going to start this one off with you. Look, I think you heard the chance on Sunday at Acrisure Stadium for Kenny, 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 Kenny. Look, I, I, look, I think the Steelers are in a tough position because you have a rookie quarterback – and Kenny Pickett, who you drafted first round. If, so the, the fans are obviously going to want to see Kenny Pickett. Look, I think that's just obvious. But then you have Trubisky. Look, they're one and one. Are the Steelers going to have a good year? Look, it's an NFC North where I think everyone's going to beat each other up regardless. But I don't know if Matt Canada's the problem. I think it's just Matt Canada has to now readjust the scheme from what Ben Roethlisberger did for all those years when he was in Pittsburgh to now what Kenny Pickett is going to be comfortable with as the new quarterback of the Steelers. So I, I, I don't think it's – I think you'll see Kenny Pickett first. I mean, Mitch Trubisky is the quarterback of the Steelers. 
But I don't think you fire McKenna because I think the Steelers are in such a transition period that you don't want to get rid of the offensive coordinator and, and give a young team with a young quarterback who's not starting yet a new a new play caller. I think the fans' instinct is to immediately go to bench Trubisky, and, it, and admittedly it was mine too, but there have been reports. Andrew Filipponi, who is a local Pittsburgh sports reporter, said earlier today that there's inside info in the Steelers' front office that people in the front office and coaches around him are getting sick of Matt Canada and the anemic offense that he's produced. And I, I can see it happen. If, if they go into these next couple weeks and they are about as dead on offense as they've been, I can definitely see Matt Canada being fired. And it's the same offense that has been the last couple of years, and you haven't really seen results from it. But I think the instinct is to tank the quarterback, and that might also happen as well. I'm not saying that Trubisky won't get benched in the next couple of weeks either. But if there's already reports that coaches and front office people are getting sick of Matt Canada already, it might be very soon that we might see him gone, similar to how Scott Frost was in these past couple weeks, and we didn't expect that either. We were expecting Frost. Well, yeah, but I mean, like I remember comments being said of like, you know, he still has a contract left, and they might not want to buy out the contract, sort of similar with uh, Matt Canada. That's the only reason I'm saying that. Well, I'm going to say it's like, I honestly do see them benching Mitchell Trubisky because the thing is, yeah, as Ben was saying, Ben Roethlisberger, they had an offense built around pocket passer at Ben Roethlisberger for many, many years. Now you have a new quarterback you drafted has a completely different playing style. He's not the same kind of pocket passer quarterback that Ben Roethlisberger was. So you're working with a whole new quarterback system, and I, I just – think that they're probably going to end up benching Trubisky, start Kenny Pickett before they w- would fire Matt Canada. Well, I mean, you know, I think that this week and in the coming weeks, they really have to, the Steelers really have to look and take a really hard look at what they really want to do with their offense, you know. I mean, like all these boys have said, uh, you know, 17, 18 years with Ben Roethlisberger, you know, it's, it's definitely a hard transition for these for Matt Canada and, and the Steelers as a whole to, to to sort of bring in Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett, you know, two players that haven't been with the with the Steelers at all. And, you know, I think now that Trubisky's sort of struggling now, I think they really just have to look and see what they really want and take a really hard look about what they want moving forward and if it's the right time to put in – uh, Pickett and bench Trubisky, or if they're gonna do like alternate snaps, or what what they're gonna do. I think the biggest argument for Trubisky is that the Steelers might not want to buy out whatever's left of Canada's contract, and it might be easier to just throw Pickett in there for a couple games, or at least part of a couple games, and see how that goes before firing Matt Canada. But the the other thing is that even though the fans are very critical of Mitch Trubisky, and I'm sure some players might be as well. Ben Roethlisberger also came out earlier today and defended Trubisky from the criticism. And if the Steelers are anything like what I've seen in the Philadelphia Phillies, where they still have managers like Charlie Manuel and Jimmy Rollins and Ryan Howard and people who have been in the team before, same with other teams as well, keep them, if not in some sort of job, still keep them around the organization as sort of 
spokespeople to voice their opinions as well, then that might also be a factor in keeping Trubisky at least for the next couple weeks. Well, I was looking at the Eagles' schedule to the bye week. Cause if you look at it, I mean, I think they can win tomorrow night. I think they will win tomorrow night against the Browns. I think they'll beat the Jets in week four. I, I got them losing to Buffalo and Tampa. I think it's a toss-up game between Miami because I, I don't think Tua is that good. I don't think Tua is that great in Miami, to be honest with you. And I think it's a loss to, the, to Sean Kelly's Eagles. I, I got the Eagles winning against the Steelers in week eight before the bye week. To be honest with you, if I'm the Steelers, I'm probably you want to get Kenny Pickett adjusted to the NFL. I'm not making a change until after my bye week, week nine, and then put him out against week ten against the Saints. So, yeah, look, I think we we talked about. It. I mean, there's no ideal situation to handle this, but my mind, I think you wait to your bye week, week nine, and then and then decide what you want to do there. Don't make any changes now because you don't want to harm the young quarterback Pickett's development. All right, good discussion there, guys. Good discussion. We'll keep it in the NFL for the next question. Justin, you actually brought this up in your response, in that last response to Atunga-Vailoa. Uh, certainly a certainly had a weekend to remember <laughs> this past weekend. Six touchdowns, two interceptions, but six touchdowns and an, an unbelievable comeback win versus the Ravens uh, in Baltimore. So, uh, you know, Tua Dunga-Vailoa, you mentioned it, Justin. You think he's going to fall off. I don't think he's that good. I, I don't think he's been good for since he's been in the league. That's okay, well, listen. The question is, is it finally Tua time, or will Tua revert back to his old inconsistent self in the coming weeks? Sean, we're going to start this one off with you. It's sort of complicated for me because I, I agree with Justin that, you know, you look at his stats, you look at how he played, he has not done well in the NFL thus far, but... It seemed like something was different last week, and while I don't want to put all of my hopes into one game where he had six touchdowns, and that's not happening again. That's just not happening again. But even with the two picks that he threw and the one sack that he had, usually in those appearances, Tua would fall. He, he would crumble in those situations. He would underthrow passes. He, he wouldn't have the same fourth-quarter performance that he had. So maybe something is different. But that also could be the fact that the Ravens' defense is very depleted with injuries. And that could also be a factor for how this performance came to be. So I would give it a couple weeks before saying anything about Tua. But I think this comeback is maybe a sign of things to come. Maybe he's getting more comfortable in Miami after a couple years. I disagree. I think Tua has been so inconsistent the first two years in the NFL. You got to give Mike McDaniel credit. I think Mike McDaniel is a good offensive coach, but the issue that still bothers me is in his rookie year in the fourth quarter, we always saw Fitzpatrick. That that's just what happened. You go back to that one night against Tampa, uh, not Tampa, Oakland, before they went to Vegas. They were crumb. They were they were leading. They were down by a couple points. They put Fitzpatrick in. Look, I I think Tua's a great person. I just don't think he's a great quarterback. I just don't think so. Look, I think it's going to be the same old Tua. I think it's going to be the same old Dolphins. They're going to have a good start to the season. They're going to have playoff aspirations, and then come late in the year, they're going to crumble. He has the potential to be a franchise quarterback. He needs more weapons around him. I think Tyree kills one weapon. You look at the best teams in the league, they have multiple wide receiver weapons for their quarterback. More? 
Yeah. <laughs> they already got Tyreek Hill and Waddle and Gesicki. And... I, I, well, I haven't been impressed by Gesicki. Uh, Waddle, I think, is up and coming. But you look at the best teams in the league, you can name their wide receiver core. Name me the wide receiver core of the Buffalo Bills then, Justin. Stephon Diggs. And? I'd have to look back at my my spotting board for Buffalo. It was just, a, just saying. Diggs don't off, off the top of my memory, but... Oh, oh it's the rookie. It's the rookie kid. He had a good night. I don't know if I'm but the rookie had a good night the other night. Yeah, so don't be down talking the Dolphins if you can't I'm name not, one, I'm not one down. of the best teams in the league's wide receiving core. I just don't think the Dolphins have as great of a team as the Bills do. But you, well, no, well I mean, I'm, I'm not arguing that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not that arguing point. that at all. Yeah, the, no. the Bills are still a better team than Dolphins. But, you know, you say, I want more pieces around Tua, yeah, but they I mean, did get that in Tyreek, and you just that, named Jalen Waddle. So I don't really know. Uh, Waddle's young. Waddle's not a star wide receiver. He's not like a superstar, but he's still a good piece. The best teams have superstar wide receivers. But we're not asking if Miami's one of the best teams. We're asking if they're a playoff team that they can be. No. Well, and we're just asking, is Tua a good yeah. quarterback? No. That, that, well, think... That's the final question we're asking. I'm saying right now, after watching him these last two weeks, well, big thing is it's the first season where he's 100% healthy because, remember, he came into the league off a very like, difficult hip injury that most quarterbacks never fully recover from. Like, Look at Isaiah Thomas in the Boston Celtics. He suffered the same hip injury, was never the same player. Tua Tonga-Viola breaks his hip at Alabama, comes to the NFL, and everyone's thinking this guy's going to be a bust. First two years, eh, but now you added Tyreek Hill to the equation, and all of a sudden he's playing a lot better. Think he's finally healthy, finally getting into the swing of things. I just do. I'm not saying Tua is going to be like a top fifteen be quarterback. Careful. No, just be careful, my. I'm just saying I think Tua is finally getting into the groove. I think he will have a pretty decent year this year. Well, I don't. I no. think I think the addition of Tyreek Hill definitely helps. The Dolphins. That that's one step, and I mean, I mean, we did. I mean, didn't ha- didn't Tyreek Hill have like two fifty-plus yard touchdowns the other day? I believe so. Yep. Yeah, I think, and I think, uh, not just to uh, Tyreek Hill being added. I think now that two is finally healthy, he's he's able to get his confidence up. He's able to he's able to finally complete passes and stuff. You know. Yeah, I mean? and, and by the way, if, if you need the Bills wide receiving core, here it is. I, I got to pull up here on my notes. <laughs> Dawson Knox, great tight end. Uh, you have Isaiah McKenzie, Jameson Crowder out of Duke. I have to give Duke a, a shout-out because Ben Cowher's hosting. I, I know Ben Cowher's issue with Duke. Gabe Davis out of UCF, and then Diggs out of Maryland. I do agree. I do agree with you that Tua has been very inconsistent, and there's still a very good chance that he can be this year, too. I'm not, I'm not saying that after three weeks Tua is completely back to being what he was in Alabama, but I think you might just be a little too quick to judge. But at the same time, the Ravens' defense did have a bunch of injuries. So honestly, I don't know what to make of it. But I'm just saying, usually after having two picks and a sack, Tua would, would crumble in the past, and he didn't today. It didn't last week. You know, look, and they, and they get the Bills on Sunday. Make your assessment on Sunday. See him play a great team in Buffalo, then make your assessment. 
I think we're jumping the gun way too early. Yeah, because I say, because they got Buffalo, then Cincinnati, the Jets, the Vikings, and then the Steelers. Those four games will determine, will kind of show all, what, how only, he's going to play. Only one of those teams are good, in my opinion. The Bills are only a good team out of that stretch. I, I think the rest of them, Miami, could, well, could expe- be. Well, especially the Vikings here. I mean, the Vikings have never shown really any consistency in the last few years. All right, good, good. That was some good conversation there. It was getting a little spicy at the end. That's what we like to hear. Let's get fired up a little bit. All right, maybe this, maybe this question will fire up one uh, specific member of our uh, panel tonight. Um, I'm a Cowboys fan, and I distinctly remember last week yeah. being told that the Cowboys were going to be manhandled by the. Cincinnati Bengals and Dallas. But it's okay. Alas, the, the Giants will do that for you. Alas, uh, let me finish my point, Justin. Alas, that didn't happen. Quite. Uh, Cooper Rush pulled off the impossible in Dallas. <laughs> happened to upset the Cincinnati Bengals. So tell me, what is your biggest takeaway from the upset in Dallas this past weekend? We're going to start this one off with resident Bengals fan Ben Anderson. I knew you were going to do this to this me. This is going to be good. I knew you were going to do this to me. Well, the first thing is, watching the Bengals O-line, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, okay, you get a, you got a bunch of guys that's never really played with each other. Over time, I'm mean, hoping the offensive line will finally start improving, know how to play with each other over time. Big thing is, hey, you still got a top 10 quarterback in Joe Burrow. I don't think you hit the panic button yet. It's like, we still got a decent defense. Offense looking good. We just got to get the offensive line going. We got the Jets. But at the end of the day, I I would not hit the panic button just yet. The takeaways that I have are and very... Ben, I, I, Maybe on the I'm not really sure. Let's just say I'm going to have some words with you when we're, when you get off the air, my friend. That's all, that's all I got to say. The takeaways I have are very few, but for one, the Super Bowl hangover is real. We've seen that in these past couple weeks. And the bigger issue, obviously, is the O-line. That's the biggest issue that we've we've seen with this team. And if they can't get the O-line fixed, even with the pieces that they brought in this offseason, then there is a very good possibility that Joe Burrow can be injured in one in at some point this season. And we've already seen that in the past. There's a very good likelihood that it could happen again. And if that does happen... Uh, watch out. As Justin Zimmer comes back from his seat. Look, I was just enjoying the Bengals talk from Ben Anderson. I wanted to watch it live. You're in the same room. I know, but it, I, I, want, I, I was He's trying, sitting six feet I, from you. He <laughs> used to try to make me feel uncomfortable and start, start stuttering. That, yeah, that, that's what was up. No, no. I, I'm, I'm just trying to protect my guy, Cowan. Here, Cowan's a cowboy. Listen, friend. hey, I, I just, can handle a little Ben on Ben violence if, that, if that's what it comes to. <laughs> Justin, are you going to answer the question? Yeah, I am going to answer the question. Here's the thing with the Bengals. I think, I think Sean mentioned Super Bowl hangover. Hangover is real, but I, I don't think any, any one of us should expect any person should have expected the Bengals to be as great as they were last year. I, I just think that was an unrealistic expectation. Sorry, Ben. I think, you know, I, I think that right now they remind me of Atlanta back when they won the, went to the Super Bowl in 20, 2017 when they lost 20, 23 to 8 and then they lost. But, I mean, you look at the Bengals' schedule. Jets this week, that's an easy win. I, I think the Jets are, are bad. Miami on a Thursday night on with Alan Herbie, I think that could be an interesting game. 
Baltimore, I think, is a loss. New Orleans is a lo- is a probably toss-up. Atlanta's a toss-up. Look, I, I just don't think they have a... The- what, do you think Atlanta's a toss-up? Yeah. No. I, I think it. Atlanta- no. I think it's two evenly matched teams. I think they're two evenly matched ball clubs. If if you were, that's a coin toss game to me, in my opinion. Cincinnati, Atlanta, I I really do. I I just think the Bengals don't have the pieces to make a second run at a, at a Super Bowl. In my opinion, their schedule's tough in the second half of the season. You got to play Tennessee. You got to play Kansas City. You got to play Tampa, New England. You got to play Buffalo. Five teams I just mentioned are Super Bowl contenders. The AFC North's a great division as well. I, 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 no, they're not. They're not going anywhere near the Super Bowl. They'll, they'll be dead last in their division, if lucky. Well, and you know, you I think they're still going to be last o- over the, under the Browns? Yep. Well, and I think um, you know, with like you said, like those Saint, the Saints and Falcons game. You know, you know, the NFC South as a whole, I feel like is just like a toss up, just because those teams, like the past few years, what. Well, Maybe not the Buccaneers, just because the Buccaneers with the additions in the past few years, like Tom Brady, they've became more of an elite team. But I think definitely the Saints and the Falcons there, Justin. I think those teams are more of the unpredictable teams just because sometimes they win games. Yeah, Carolina too in that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, they win games that some people wouldn't think they would, and they lose games that they should win, you know. Put me down. Bengals in last place. Guaranteed. Wow. All right. The Justin Zimmer guarantee. Oh, wow. All right. All right. Good discussion. Good discussion again. We'll keep it in football. This time we will swap it over to college football. Thank God. (laughs) How about a a hot topic as of uh, in the past few, over the past few weeks? Uh, Nebraska. After firing Scott Frost, Nebraska did anything but rebound this past weekend, getting blown out 49-14 to at home versus the visiting 6th-ranked Oklahoma Sooners. It appears that, uh, quote-unquote, interim head coach might be the most significant job title that uh, Mickey Joseph ever has with the Cornhuskers. You tell me, who is the next head coach of Nebraska and why? We're going to start this off with Sean. The latest report by The Athletic has three coaching hires that Nebraska has on the top of their list. Kansas's last Lance Leopold, Iowa State's Matt Campbell, and Bill O'Brien. Now, the Urban Meyer, uh, as Justin Zimmer pumps his fist at that name mention, that that rumor was just funny. That was great. I, I think the smartest option for Nebraska would be Matt Campbell since he turned a historically inept Iowa State football team into a consistent winner. He's only had one losing season with them in his first season. He's turned them into a respectable program, and I think he can do the same with Nebraska. But these other hiring candidates like Lance Leopold and Bill O'Brien are just funny to me. Like, the Bill O'Brien hire just ignoring his run with the Texans that ended poorly as well. He was good in college, though. But this is the other thing. It's been 10 years, almost 10 years, since he last coached Penn State. And to me, this just sort of comes off as a if-you-can't-beat-them-join-them situation combined with the Urban Meyer rumors and the Bill O'Brien rumors. I I just think it's personally funny to picture the Nebraska front office thinking, well, if the Big Ten West is seen as a weak division, then why don't we get the some of the best hires from the Big Ten East 10 years ago in Bill O'Brien and Urban Meyer? But, you know, 
I, I just don't get these other options. Lance Leopold's gone 3-0 and with Kansas beating absolutely nobody. And Bill O'Brien's had 10 years since he last coached in college, lost to Ohio U, and I was at that game. That was a very depressing game if you go back to that one. And UCF pre-Scott Frost. So it's Matt Campbell is my answer, short, short answer. Well, I was reading about this this morning because I saw an article from 247 Sports. Another coach that I saw, which I don't, I don't see it happening, though, I read some reports of them maybe looking at Coach Huff from Marshall, but I don't see that happening, though, because, well, after we went from beating Notre Dame to losing Bowling Green, I think that, that option's thrown out the window. So, but like Sean's saying, I, Matt Campbell is honestly the best choice out of the three they have. It's like Bill O'Brien, yeah, we haven't really seen much as a head coach. What he has, it really wasn't that relevant. Yeah, Matt Campbell, he's doing a phenomenal job right now at Iowa State. Made Iowa State one, like one of the bigger teams in their conference now. So, because Iowa State was, nobody really cared about Iowa State football before he showed up. Now you actually made him relevant in a bowl eligible team. I think or if he goes to Nebraska, he could try to build up that program at least. They, I'm not saying they'll win the Big Ten. Absolutely not. I don't think they'll be able to get past like Michigan, Ohio State, and those schools. But I think they'll at least be able to go like six and six, seven and five, go to a bowl game. So yeah, I see Matt. I, I honestly see Matt Campbell. I was just throwing the coach Huff out there because I just read it this morning. Not sure if it was true or not, but I just, I just said it because I just read that this morning. But then I still got to get Matt Campbell, like Sean said. I mean, yeah, like these boys have been saying, I think Matt Campbell's the best candidate for the next head coaching job at Nebraska. But, I mean, I think that's an interesting point that you brought up, Ben, how Coach Huff has been interviewed or talked to about becoming the new head coach in Nebraska. I mean, I honestly don't know who it'll be, but I, th- I personally think it'll be Matt Campbell. I think he is the best fit. If the rumors of Lance Leopold and Coach Huff are true, it seems like most of Nebraska's head coaching candidates are ones who had hot starts. You saw that with Kansas at 3-0. and You saw that with Coach Huff, who, you know, we beat Notre Dame just a couple weeks ago, but then lose to Bowling Green the next week. Bill O'Brien, who took Penn State post-sanctions and turned them into a winning team, even with all the scholarship stuff that happened there. So it's a real toss-up with how, you know, Kansas football goes. If they have a winning season and Lance Leopold can turn that, can turn that team around, that's historically been a zero-win, one-win, two-win program, then, hey, maybe he can do something with Nebraska as well. But it's just a lot of question marks for Nebraska, in my opinion, in their head coaching decisions. I got one. I actually got two. Gary Patterson. Former coach of TCU, against a kind of off the radar pick here, but I think what I think Nebraska needs a coach with experience in building up programs. Gary Patterson, he took over the job at TCU back in back in the early two thousands. He got he got them through Conference USA into the Mountain West, got them into the Big Twelve, and TCU was a strong football program. I think Nebraska needs someone with a veteran experience of how to build a program and how to build a winning culture. Gary Patterson is that guy who I think he knows how to build a winning culture and he can build that in Lincoln. Only issue I got with Matt Campbell is I don't think you leave Iowa State. I think Iowa State is a great job. You're probably going to win the Big Big 12 
on a pretty consistent basis. I don't think Huff leaves for Nebraska. I think the Bowling Green game ended those rumors of him leaving for any job, to be honest. We think he's here next year. I mean, I think the calls will still happen, but give me Gary Patterson. I'm going to go outside the box here, Ben. Wait, before you go there, Just you said two coaches. Who's the second coach Fickle. you had in mind? Luke Fickle. I think he's done a great job at Cincinnati. He's built that program up. He's had every power. If you're a power five school that has a head coaching vacancy, look at Luke Fickle. I think he is, he's got the ability. He's done it at the group of five level to get Cincinnati into a playoff bid. I think with Nebraska, he'll have better resources there to get those those guys put up. So I'm giving you two outside the box, same care. It's Patterson and Fickle. The only question with Fickle, it might be after you know this season where Cincinnati hasn't been as explosive as they were last year and the year before. Maybe they might have second pins with them too. But as I said, there's a lot of coaching possibilities with Nebraska that have sort of been the same situation. As I mean, well. you got Arizona State open. So, there are other jobs available. All right. Good discussion there. When we come back, we'll have more football talk and uh, maybe a little baseball. We'll sprinkle sprinkle a little bit of baseball in here. Coming up next on Sports Buzz. The adventure of a lifetime. Destiny will be revealed. Bear witness to a living legend. We've got to get out of here. I know! It's coming! No. It's here. The Cutting Edge. Slicing through the airwaves to a radio near you. WMUL 88.1 FM. Your home for award-winning coverage of Marshall Athletics is right here on WMUL-FM Huntington, WFGH-FM Fort Gay, and WTHM-LP, Ravenswood, West Virginia. Are you tired of missing your favorite WMUL programming? No worries. Check out WMUL's online archive at marshall.edu slash WMUL. Every episode of our news and sports programming, every story from the New Center 88 and FM 88 sports teams, and much more. Marshall.edu slash WMUL. And welcome back to Sports Buzz. I'm your host, Ben Cower been a good discussion so far and we got another 30 minutes to settle this one live from the third avenue studios we got a lot of topics to talk football so far because yeah it's been a busy week in football but you know what let's swap it over to some baseball the people love baseball and you know some you know there's some significant things happening in baseball right now all rise aaron judge has hit his 60th home run uh, this season, last night, needs one more to tie, two more home runs to break. <laughs> it's Justin Zimmer. E. Rose, E. Rose here in the studio. Uh, he needs one more to tie and two more home runs to break. Roger Maris is 61-year-old American League home run record. 16 games to go this season for the Yankees. You tell, you guys tell me, how many ro- home runs does Judge finish the regular season with 
and uh, the regular season win. And how significant is Judge's season in regards to the history books? We're going to start this one off with Justin Zimmer. Okay, I'll sit down now. Yeah, no, you have yeah. to sit you, back you've, down. You've risen. <laughs> I'll rise for the judge. Um, look, I think it's going to be a, 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 a history that's going to go down this season. But I mean, you talk about, I, you know, 61 home runs. The Yankees right now are in great position for a playoff berth. And, and having watched them multiple times this season, look, I think they're, they're, they are a World Series team. Do not be surprised if you see the Yankees in the fall classic. Um, looking at the end of the season for the Yankees, how many home runs does Judge get? I'm going to go 65. I, you know, I think, I think near the end, I think once they clinch the division, you're going to, I think you, you'll see Boone rest Judge a little bit. I think 65 is reasonable. This is a season for the history books. You know, if Judge will lock himself in the Hall of Fame. Perfect time to have a great year heading into a contract year with with the Yankees. So the Yankees better open up the bank and let the judge come in to get some money. And, and, but, uh, yeah, I, I think with that, I think he's had a great year, great career in New York. Look, I, as I said, I think Yankees will be in the World Series, and I got him there in, in the AL. I think we'll get Yankees-Dodgers, a, a good a good matchup. But give me 65 home runs, and this will solidify Judge in Cooperstown when he retires. When looking at the – home runs that judges hit this season there seems to be a pattern and there has been for the past couple home runs that he's hit where he'll have like a week long where he won't hit anything and we've seen this in the past week where he hits a home run on the 13th against the red sox and then these past two games on the 18th and 20th he hits a total of three home runs in the past two games and we've kind of seen that throughout the season as well so i agree with uh, 65 is a good number to base around as his home runs I might go a bit over if Judge isn't rested by Boone given the historical context of the season so I might go a tad over 65 and nowhere near 70 and historically obviously it's a big deal no one's gotten this close to 60 not even Alonzo a couple years ago not since Stanton in 2017 and he only had 59 and the top six when you look at home runs all time are all Bonds, McGuire, and Sosa the only ones who weren't caught up in steroids are Ruth, Maris, and now Judge. So it sort of makes me think like what the top ten would be like if they weren't caught up in steroids. But obviously it's a very historical season for Judge. And if he isn't rested, if Boone decides to go with the fans pick of don't let him rest, keep going, I would say 65 to 67-ish. I'm, I'm going 68, because it's like he's already at 60 now. He's on a hot streak. I don't really see the Yankees benching him, because like the fans want to see if he can break Barry Bonds' 73 home run record. He's saying that he thinks he can do it. I think he comes up short, so I'm going to give him about the 68-69 range. If if he plays the rest of the season, if he rests, 64. You know, I'm thinking close. I mean, based on how uh, you brought up the the consistency point, um, I think I'm going to go 64, 65 here. I think, um, you know, towards the end of the season, people start to get really tired. And, um, you know, I mean, that's still five more home runs than what he has now. I mean, I think he's still, I think he's still get there. Um, but you never know. I, we'll see. 
plus there is still two weeks left in the left in the season. The final, the regular season ends around the fifth to seventh yeah, fifth. because of the strike. Seventh is the wall card. Yeah, so there's still two weeks for a Judge to. He's obviously going to break sixty one. That's obvious, and I don't think he's going to be rested for you know mo- at least most of the two weeks. So if he keeps up this pace that he's on, he like I said, he's already had two home runs in the last three games, and even though that was against a struggling Milwaukee team and the Pirates, he still has a game against the Pirates tonight. So he's I, I wouldn't be surprised if he hits one or two against the Pirates just in this game alone. Schedule concerns me, though, a little bit late in the season. I'm looking at it now. Pittsburgh, I think, tonight, pretty easy. You get Boston, you get Toronto. I think Toronto's going to still have their, their stuff going. They're trying to fight for a wild card. Baltimore, sorry, Ben, I think's out of it, but I think Baltimore's I, mean, I think Baltimore's had a lot great pitching this year. I give me Brandon Hyde for manager of the year in in the AL. I think he's done a phenomenal job this year with 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 the with the with the Oriole Birds. And then looking at October, you get the Rangers to end it. So only thing that really concerns me, Ben Coward, is their schedule. I think they have a couple tough opponents and with matchups late in the year, so that is the other thing. Honestly, when you say that schedule, other than the Toronto series, I don't really see that much of a struggle. Boston, he's already hit home runs against Boston. Boston's a last-place team in the AL East, and even though they're mediocre, their pitching isn't great. Same thing with the Rangers to end the season. The Blue Jays may be a little bit of a question mark, but they just let up 11 runs to the Phillies last night. And once you get to that bullpen, it's a real question mark for the Blue Jays and has been for the past two seasons. So... They're still, and not even to say Baltimore. Baltimore's had good pitching lately, I mean, but with how they've been on year. a cold streak lately, you know, anything can happen. Only thing that concerns me, though, is you want to get them rested for October because I really think October is when we'll really see how good they are. Right now they're in the one seed, so they're in a pretty good spot. But, again, this year the playoffs are a lot more condensed because of the strikes, so you're going to want to have, you're, you're have judging all your stars rested for, that, for, the, for the playoffs. All right, good talk, guys. Good talk. Baseball. We'll swap it back to football now. Uh, let's head back to the NFL. It's been a it's been a little while since we had an NFL question. Well, this episode probably. And when I say a little while, probably like twenty minutes. Uh, let's talk about another one and one team. After uh, mentioning talking about the the Steelers earlier and the Cowboys, both one and one. Talking about another one and one team, the Detroit Lions. Seventy one points across two weeks for the Lions offense. Tell me. Will the Lions, could the Lions, or not could, will, will the Lions win the NFC North? Yes, no, why? Nate, starting this one off with you. Um, you know, I just don't think they can. I think, you know, honestly, I think the Packers are still a really good team for the, for the NFC North. Um, I mean, they still have Aaron Rodgers. I mean, yeah, they lost Devontae Adams to the Raiders, but... I don't think that slows Aaron Rodgers down as as much as people think. You know, I, while I do think the Detroit Lions are going to be a good team this year, I just don't know if it's going to be good enough to to claim that NFC North title. I'm taking a hard stance on no on this. These past two seasons, they've basically shown that they're the Nebraska of NFL football, and by that I mean, do they play people close? Yes, but do they win? No. The only game that they've won so far is against the Washington Commanders. And while Carson Wentz does have a couple good touchdowns, a couple long passes that are impressive per game, he's played like Carson Wentz has the past couple years, and that's 
beautiful long passes down the field, but then he throws two picks and loses the game. So, you know, you have your next next couple games. Vikings, who are a mediocre team but still can beat the Lions. Pats, same deal. Cowboys, Dolphins, Packers. If they can beat those teams, then there might be an argument. But for now, seeing as how you've only beaten Washington and the only real comeback they had was in the fourth quarter when the game was already basically over, admittedly, against the Eagles. And while they did have a good comeback, yes, they still didn't win, and that's what's important. So, no. I know they have the most entertaining and greatest coach in football, Motor City Dan Campbell. All right? Listen, I know it's all about biting kneecaps off, getting back down, getting back off, taking another hunk out of you. But they're not winning the division. Come on, folks. They're not winning the division. That's fantasy. That, that, that's like seeing a unicorn in an end zone. That's not going to happen. You know that. I know that. Are they going to be in the playoffs? No. They're not. Everybody in Detroit, calm down. Just enjoy Just enjoy five more years of Motor City Dan Campbell and biting off kneecaps and all the fun stuff you're all going to be doing. Because that's nothing's going to happen in Detroit. Packers and Vikings will be in the playoffs out of the, out of the NFC North. Just just enjoy Dan Campbell. It's a great time. Nothing's happening, people. That 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 it's even fantasy to be talking about the Lions in the playoffs. I'm sorry. I don't see him winning the AF. I'm at the NFC North. My bad. The NFC North. But here's the thing. I have not been impressed really at any of the NFC North teams this season so far. Like the Bears. They, the only reason I feel like they beat the 49ers is because the field conditions week one in Chicago. They, they don't look great. The Vikings, the only thing they got going for them is just, just Justin Jefferson's just having a No, Vikings look so good. Far. Vikings yeah. are good. I think they're a very good team. Was that? But I'm just I'm thinking about like playoff runs here. I don't see the Vikings making a big playoff run. I do. The I Packers, uh, I, I'm not real impressed with the Green Bay so far. That uh, doesn't mean Rand Rodgers should probably pick it up and get them going later on in the year. But after two weeks, I'm not very impressed with them either. The Lions, as you said, it's Detroit, people. Like, they're always known for being bad. Okay, uh, when was the last time Detroit actually went to the playoffs? 2016? Somewhere around there. I'll look it up. But I'm, it's been a while, though. Yeah, but I was like, you got Jared Goff at quarterback. Don't, he's, he's, he's not horrible, but he's not great either. Yeah, but they got, they got a great head coach. Just yeah, not but uh, well, Justin, here's the thing. You also need the talent to back up a head. You can be a phenomenal head coach and still have losing seasons with a horrible roster. You still need the Pro Bowl talent to carry that head coach. 2016 in the playoffs. Thank you, Justin. And I was saying the Lions, the only reason I say no is because the way the schedule looks. Because you got to fight the Cowboys, the Patriots, still got, yeah, the Bills, the Lions twice, the Packers twice, and the Giants. Therefore, I just, I, I just can't see it happening. The Lions are a classic case to me of any sort of team that's been near the basement for a couple years. They get on hard knocks. They see, you know, Dan Campbell singing Billy Jean. Aiden Hutchinson, please. And the players crying on oh, the rookie singing the backstreet boys yep, you see all that you think they're gonna do something 
you see them playing close and you think, ah, well, this this year they'll actually win these games. And then they don't. It's the same thing with Nebraska. They have one game where they look impressive against Carson Wentz at quarterback, who, like Joe Flacco, has a good three weeks and then <laughs> he'll go back to being the same old Carson Wentz as well. It's just, it's just no. I'm well, to my point. I see the NSC North race honestly being somewhat close. I could see it between the Packers and the Vikings because easily the Bears are going to finish last. But I could see the Lions kind of having somewhat of a fight but probably finishing third. It might be close against the Packers and the Vikings, but the issue that I saw this week against my Eagles is once you get up against good defenses like what Darius Slay and the Eagles defense had against, against you know, the Eagles, it's not like Justin Jefferson had a lights-out game last week. I mean, Darius Slay had more catches than Jalen Rager last last game. So if it comes down the line and the Vikings have that sort of offensive game from Kirk Cousins and the rest of the offense, then the Vikings are going to be the same old mediocre team that we saw the past couple of years. Even though they won't be in the playoffs, Ben, I, 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 can't, I can't go against MCDC. I, 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 we, we just got to keep him in Detroit. He's a great coach. He'll be a great analyst for NFL in <laughs> no, the next no. 10 years. No, we Justin, keep... even though he might not win the NFC North, he's won your heart. <laughs> I love MCDC. I love him. I think he's a great hey, guy. N- n- we just see Justin going, Dan Campbell for Coach of the Year. I, you know, maybe, maybe he will be. I don't know. We're only two weeks in, and this will lead into our next question. We're going to keep it here in the NFL. Only two weeks in, but uh, the Broncos, who... Uh, me being as intelligent as I am, picked the Broncos as uh, my one of my Super Bowl picks. Um, I'm not so confident well, on that pick now. You're smarter than somebody else who said they were fourth best. Well, yeah, I know, but I'm just saying I uh, I'm not so I'm not so confident about that pick now because the Broncos barely pulled off a victory at home this past weekend versus the frightening, oh so terrifying Houston Texans. So uh, you tell me. Is Nathaniel Hackett on the hot seat already after two weeks? We're going to start this one off with Ben Anderson. No. I'm like, he's a year one coach. I don't think he's in the hot seat because, well, you've got a new quarterback and a brand new system. Yeah, Russell Wilson, who played for, oh, crap, I lost the coach's name. Pete Carell, uh, that's his yep. name. Got his name for a minute. Yeah, Pete Carell for all of his career in the Seahawks, and then all of a sudden he goes to Denver, whole new system, whole new team. I think you just got to have him try, like, once he finally adapts in Denver, I see them having a good season. Do I see him making the deep playoff run into the Super Bowl? Probably not. If I'm going to be honest, it hurts me to say this. The only team in the AFC right now that I think has a legitimate chance of making a big Super Bowl run is honestly Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Just the way they've played the last two weeks, and they're going, all right, this, this team's legit. The Broncos, on the other hand, they struggled these last two weeks. They they lost to a Seahawks team in a game they should have won against a quarterback named Geno Smith, who we haven't even heard of since he got his jaw broken with the Jets. Then you played the Texans. Because Davis Mills, I don't, I never even heard of the guy until he played last year, to be honest with you. And the Texans are not a good team. Wilson still struggled. Actually, let me pull up the stats for Wilson this game. Actually, 
Wilson, 14 for 31, 219, a touchdown interception, and three sacks. All right. Week one, a 17 to 16 loss to the Seahawks. Well, he had a great game. He had 29 for 42, 340, a touchdown, two sacks, but he still ended up losing the game. Now you got the 49ers, Jimmy G's back. See that being a good game. You got the Raiders, Colts, Chargers, Jets, Jags, and so forth. Big thing is, if Russell Wilson can adapt, he has to adapt quickly because if he's not, I can see this falling apart big time. They got a tough schedule, but I don't think you pull the plug on a first-year head coach. I'm saying yes, and the play calling from Nathaniel Hackett shows that he's outmatched as and over his head as an NFL head coach so far. When you're playing the Seahawks and Texans and you have play calls like the one where you trust your kicker who has never made a 50-yard kick to win you the game over the multi-million dollar quarterback in Russell Wilson to not potentially win you the game. And then you have the Andrew Beck option play, which he was asked about in his post-game interview last week, where he just goes, yeah, we had a mental error on that play. You go third and one, and you have that play. It, 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 comes, it comes into question how he led Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to all that he led them to, to multiple MVPs for Aaron Rodgers and multiple NFC Championship appearances. Now he's in the head coach seat, and his play calling looks straight out of the Iowa offensive playbook in the Iowa Hawkeyes. So if he keeps playing like this, and he's already played like this against the Seahawks and Texans with the high-powered offense that Denver was supposed to have coming into this year, and he scored 16 points two straight weeks, he just looks outmatched. What was the name of the award we had last year you were hosting? Uh, idiot of the Ward. Or I- idiot, of the, idiot of the Year Award, I believe. I have a nominee. Oh. Is it Nathaniel Hackett? Yes. <laughs> he has done, and I'm sorry to say this, he has made the worst play call decisions I've ever seen a head coach make. Uh, uh, look, what happened to let Russ cook? Russ isn't cooking. It's it's not it, 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 the 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 Broncos. If you can't even beat General David Mills in the Texans, you can't beat the Seahawks. We got I mean there there are problems in Denver. I, look, I don't think he's on the hot seat, but it's bad. I, I'm sorry, I, I, Nathaniel Hackett's got it. Here's the thing: Sean talked about how he wasn't the play caller in Green Bay. Matt LaFleur was the play caller. This is his first time calling plays. Delegate it. If you're not a good play caller, delegate it to somebody on your staff who can call plays because it's uh, it's obvious to everybody that you're not good at calling the plays. I mean, that, that, that's all there is to it. I mean, let Russ cook. That's not happening. Two weeks ago, we were asked about the Seahawks-Broncos game, and we were asked to name a defensive player on the Seahawks, and basically none of us can name it. When you name one, when you have seven tries at the red zone and you can't get a touchdown against the Seahawks defense, that already shows that you're in over your head and you need to, as Zimmer said, delegate your play-calling abilities to someone else who can't. Here, I'm going to look through their coaching staff right now. I'm going to see if any of these guys have called plays before because I'm I'm dead curious because looking at it now, trying to go back. Well, Justin, since you're okay, can I say something real quick? Yeah. I watched the Broncos. 
I'm honestly not shocked because I honestly thought the Broncos was overrated going into this season because in the past with their offense and everything, yeah, they had Drew Locke, but I don't think Drew Locke was the big problem. He was a problem, don't get me wrong, but just like the Broncos, I'm honestly not shocked they're still struggling because Russell Wilson was a big upgrade, but I'm thinking there's still a lot that needs to be done in Denver for them to be a playoff team. I think they everyone had them overrated going to the season. So I'm honestly not shocked that they are struggling right now. You know, I honestly expected it. Well, I think, um, like you said, I think, personally, I think Russell Wilson coming to Denver was pretty overhyped. I mean, you know, yeah, I think, I, I just, personally, I just think with how Denver's played in these past few years, I mean, even with Russell Wilson being a good quarterback that he is, you know, I just don't see him, you know, being able to li- uplift an entire team, you know, to a, a deep playoff run. You know, m- I see him maybe making the wild card game, but even then, I don't know. Here's it, the and he was asked about giving up play calling duties this week, and Hackett said, "No, I'm not going to give him up." That's a pro. If you cannot call plays in the National Football League. And if you're that inept at doing it, delegate to another member of your staff. It's obvious. You don't know what the heck you're doing calling plays. It calls into question how well this chemistry will work between Wilson and Hackett as well. Because, you know, I remember to us talking about Rodgers going to the Broncos potentially, and that may be one of the main reasons why Hackett was hired there. Now, you know... It, it just calls into question why they hired Hackett in the first place, if not only because, well, Rodgers is available, and he knows Rodgers better than anyone else, so maybe he'll work there, and now we see the results of that when their plan doesn't work out like it like it should. But even if that wasn't the case, just the, fa- just the fact that Hackett isn't choosing to give up play calling, that's a big issue, and that combined with the offense that Denver has had just shows that it's things aren't looking up for Denver so far. I just hope America enjoys watching golf plays on Sunday Night Football. All right. Another good discussion there. When we come back, we're going to cut the field from 4-2. to two. We're going to have one final question. Two people going to go at it for the victory. Find out who's going for the win when we come back on Sports Buzz. Worldwide leader of Marshall University sports coverage. Welcome back into the Soul Ballroom at the Convention Center in Riviera Maya, Mexico. WMUL welcomes you to the mountain town of Blacksburg, Virginia. We are high here at the Gund Arena in Cleveland, Ohio. It's the 2005 Kraft Mac Women's Basketball Tournament. Welcome back to Firestone Stadium in Akron, Ohio. The 2005. Right in the first inning, no score here at Appalachian Power Park. Marshall. WMUL FM, Huntington. All right, welcome back to Sports Buzz. You know, I've been holding off on this moment, this episode, because we have somebody new, Nate's, on the show for the first time. We have a returning face, uh, Justin Zimmer, his first time back in the seat, back in the saddle. But I'm afraid it's going to be both of you that are going to get cut for the final segment. Nate, Justin, you guys did a great job tonight, a lot of great points. Nate, it was wonderful having you on for the first time. 
And uh, Justin, as always, very entertaining. Thank you. But uh, it was a pleasure having you guys both on Any Final Words. Uh, I mean, thank you guys for the opportunity to come on. It was great. Looking forward to more opportunities in the future. I'll let these two guys battle out. we got four minutes. So I'm looking forward to watching this battle from back there. Yeah. All right. All right. We've silenced the mics. It's down to Sean Kelly and Ben Anderson for the final round. And for the final round, we're sending it back to college football. Oh, yes. A college football question. We're going to close it out. One final question. Going to give each of you a chance to uh, answer and debate this one. Then we're going to choose a winner. Let's play a game within a game show. Give me one team that should be ranked, but is not currently ranked, and then give me one other team that should that should not be ranked, that is currently ranked. We're going to start this one off with Sean Kelly. For the team that shouldn't be in the top 25, Honestly, to me, there's a lot of options that you can choose in the bottom of the top 25. The likes of Pitt, who barely won against a mediocre West Virginia team and who's lost their only ranked game against Tennessee, and Miami, who did the same against Texas A&M and has only won against bottom feeder college uh, non-conference opponents. But overall, I'm saying Utah. And ignore the previous season where they made the Rose Bowl. Ignore that, because they haven't played like it, and they haven't played really anyone at all, and it's the same sort of situation. The only sort of good team that they've played so far is, again, a mediocre Florida team who they lost to. Other than that, who can you say they've beat? San Diego State? They went 12-2 and last year and didn't beat a ranked opponent. And this year, they're 1-2. and And their only win... Was, they, they haven't beaten anybody, and Southern Utah. So for that, I'm going with Utah, just based on how they've played this year alone. As for should, it would be an easier decision if App State won their 40-point game against North Carolina, their 40-point fourth quarter game against North Carolina. I'm very tempted to say it's them, but I can't in good conscience go for the team who lost a quality matchup against teams who are actually undefeated. I don't like doing that. So for this, I'm going with Washington State. Washington, I don't like Pac-12 teams, honestly. I, I, I've been very critical of them in the past. But they have also already beaten a ranked team in what was at the time ranked number 19, Wisconsin. And while Wisconsin played them close, Washington State still beat them outright. And especially if they win this week against Oregon, I would definitely put them in the top 25, another ranked team. So for this, I'm going with Washington State, who actually has beaten a ranked opponent. Well, Sean, I think the one team... That should not be in it. But some people just won't call me crazy. I'm thinking Baylor. They're 2-1. and one. All right, let's just look up the scores. Give me a second here. We're looking at multiple things here at once. For Baylor, you beat Albany in FCS school. Then you got upset by BYU. And who'd you beat after that? Texas State. Won the bottom barrel Sunbelt schools that went 4-8 and eight last year. Texas State has never really been known for being good. I still think Baylor should not be in the top 25 after that. And then a team that should be, I honestly you'd have to agree with Sean here and say Washington State because Washington State beat Wisconsin. They're looking really, really good this year. The only reason I'm not going happy is because, yeah, they beat Texas A&M at Texas A&M, but then they had to have a game-winning Hail Mary to win the next week against Troy. Troy has never... It, they haven't really been a powerhouse, so that kind of raises some question marks. So, therefore, Washington State, as of right now, I think they should be ranked. If they beat Oregon, 
there's no doubt that the NCAA should put them in the top 25 if they beat Oregon. So, therefore, Tina should be out, Baylor, team in, Washington State. And that is the issue with having top 25 rankings early on in the year like this and not how the college football playoff ranking is where it's not until mid-season where they get into the rankings but you have a bunch of teams like Baylor who've had bad losses to ranked teams and then beat nobody else in non-conference you have that against the likes of Florida Texas A&M you can go on as you head to the bottom half of the Miami. top 25 that yeah Miami Pitt there's a bunch of teams that you can name and for the teams that are unranked who else you have? Florida State. Florida State's 3-0, but really the best opponent that they've played is LSU, who hasn't been the same since 2019. Oregon State, who's also undefeated but hasn't played anybody. Yeah, so, Michigan State, who just lost. Yeah, that's the whole and issue. North Carolina, they're not. Yeah, that's the whole issue with the rankings early in the season, but I'm sticking with Washington State for should. They've actually beaten a ranked opponent. And Utah, for shouldn't they've? They also have a very likely chance of falling off in Pac-12 play as well. All right, good discussion there to close things out. Two bold picks. I would have liked to see a little bit of difference in the uh, in the who should be ranked, but you know Washington State is a fair answer. You know this was a very very close battle down to the wire tonight, but you know. Off the final question, because it was that close. Uh, you both have made great points tonight. Off the final question, I agree with Ben Anderson more. Ben Anderson takes the victory tonight. I'm sorry, Sean. Ben Anderson, your thoughts, your first win on Sports Boss. Finally! <laughs> took me long enough. Hey, I was telling Nate walking out of class there, I was like, hey, dude, I'm getting the dub this week. Hey, I finally did it. Hey, hey Sean, it's like, Hey, be honest with you, I honestly thought you were going to be the winner, Sean, if I'm going to be honest with you. But, hey, I'm glad that I, I won this week. So now my parents will not be annoyed by me bragging about this to them when I get home tonight. So, yeah. It was nice being on the show, and I can't wait to be back here next week. And it was a fantastic debate tonight. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. As always, Sports Buzz every single week, 6.30 p.m. every Wednesday. We got a, a fun show next week. Who's on it? We don't know, but it'll be a surprise. Make sure to tune in. Great battle tonight from uh, from Nate, uh, excuse me, I, I forgot his last name. Uh, Nate Courtney, Ben Anderson, Justin Zimmer, Sean Kelly on Ben Cower. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Thank you for listening to Sports Buzz. Have a good day at work, honey. Remember, Billy has his first baseball game today. I'll be there. Wouldn't miss it for the world.